0: And our missionary speaker today was a pastor of one of the largest underground churches in Saudi Arabia. And in Saudi Arabia, it is absolutely illegal to be a Christian. You can't have a Christian church. You can't have a church like this. You can't have a group of people coming together to praise the name of Jesus. You'll you'll be imprisoned and even killed for your faith in Saudi Arabia. And our guest speaker today has made such an impact for jesus christ in saudi arabia that he became the number one public enemy of those that are there in saudi arabia and to the country and that would be like remember back in the day some of our young people may not remember that they you i think you might be too young but do you remember uh, america's most wanted and they used to have like the top 10 or whatever well imagine america's most wanted the number one person on that list that is who our guest speaker was in saudi arabia because of his faith and because of his faith there were so many people that were looking for him and when they found him they imprisoned him because of his faith he was arrested and he was tortured and sentenced to death by public hanging on the night before he was scheduled to be executed The Lord miraculously spared his life. And now not only is he experiencing freedom, uh, spiritual freedom, but now he's experiencing physical freedom from being in prison there in that prison cell as well. You're going to hear about that story today. He is a founding pastor of an active secret Christian church and a director of the secret Bible school in Saudi Arabia where graduates are spreading the gospel of the good news literally all around the world. He's a founder and president of the Christians Christians in Crisis, a global ministry that serves the serves the body of Christ with uh, with special focus to the persecuted church. His story He's going to absolutely touch you today, and his story has gone all around the world on podcasts, television programs, uh, 700 Club. He's been interviewed by every uh, famous Christian person imaginable. Books have been written about his life. Uh, There have been many stories told about the legend, this missionary, the pastor. You are absolutely going to love his story and love his heart for people. I would love for you to do me a favor and give the uh, give the warmest Harvest Church welcome, the best Harvest Church welcome to Pastor Wally Magdalal.
1: Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Pastor. Thank you, Christina. And I, I want to thank God for this opportunity. It is the Lord who opens doors, <clears throat> and we are simply serving Christ. Hallelujah. Well, I want to greet you first with, uh, with the love of Christ, my Savior, my Lord, and it is because of him that I'm here today. He's the reason for my life, for my living. He's the reason why I keep serving. He is the reason why I'm alive and is the reason when, I'm, when I go back, when I go home to heaven. Amen? Uh, you know, when I, as I mentioned, go to heaven. We're living in the days now where there's so much uncertainty. It's been said by many preachers and modern-day prophets that we are in the last days. Hey, if we're in the last days, that's exciting. Because that means there's only one thing we're waiting for, the rapture. Amen? And that should excite us every day. Hallelujah. Praise God. Well, I also want to, uh, I want to introduce to you my, my ministry partners. And she's the number one prayer partner and supporter, and she's my critic and best advisor. She stood by me, you know, uh, through, all through all these through years since, since I met her. So I'd like you to meet my wife, Maddie. She's right there in the front. <laughs> and... Thank you. Thank you for your warm welcome. My daughter, the only child we have, is Precious Joy, sitting right next to her with a baby, Josiah. She, she got married a couple of years back, and now they have a baby, our first grandson. I wish they could show Josiah, you just lift him up like the Lion King, you know? <laughs> and then, uh, there you go. And then Donald, please. Yes, Donald. The husband. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. She was only two years old when these things happened in Arabia. Now, she's a 32-year-old dentist, you know. Praise God. Praise the Lord. Glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. I want to begin with a, a wonderful scripture reading from 2 Corinthians. In chapter 1, beginning from verse 8 and following. We, meaning we, the persecuted Christians... Those who suffer for the faith in Christ, Paul was the one who wrote this. But I, I identify with the Apostle Paul and many more in today's world. There are millions of Christians suffering persecution on a daily basis. And uh, let me tell you, persecution does not take vacation. So our brothers and sisters are faced with this on a daily basis. Second Corinthians chapter 1, beginning from verse 8. <clears throat> We do not want you to be uninformed about the hardships we suffered in the province of Asia. We were under great pressure far beyond our ability to endure so that we despaired even of life. In our hearts, we felt the sentence of death. But this happened that we might not rely on God, on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. He has delivered us from such a deadly peril, and he will deliver us on him we have set our hope that he will continue to deliver us as you help us by your prayers, then many will give thanks on our behalf for the gracious favor granted us in answer to the prayers of many. Lord, as I begin this uh, presentation of your story in my life, remember the persecuted church, Lord. I was once a recipient of the many prayers of your saints, and because of that, you did not only hear, but you responded, and today I'm alive because you're a God who hears and answers prayers. In Jesus' name, amen. In Philippians 1:29, the Bible, Paul says this, it's been granted to you on behalf of Christ, not only to believe on him, but also to suffer for him. Not many of us want, don't want the second part. Amen. We want to believe, but suffering, uh, you know. Second Timothy 3:12. everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ will be persecuted. So live a mediocre life you're fine. You won't be persecuted. Live a life that compromises the gospel that's fine. Give a life that don't give to the offering that's fine. You won't be persecuted. But those who want to live a godly life in Christ according to the words of God will be persecuted. When I got saved in the Philippines back then, I wanted nothing but to be a man that would please and honor God in my life. Not a person who lives in religion I was raised in religion, and religion actually kept me captive. There was something missing in my life. One night, I cried to God, is that it, Lord? Is that all about you in religion? Is there any more I'm missing? Are you really God? Are you alive? And if you are, please show yourself to me and prove yourself to me. Not long after that, I get saved. I got saved with me crying out to God. I felt like I was a sinner, the worst. And I asked him to forgive me, and I prayed that that night, I said, Lord, prove yourself to me, show yourself to me, if you're really God. And when I got saved, I, I said my first Christian prayer. Listen to my first Christian prayer. I repeat this prayer every year, and as often as I can. I said, Lord, because you love me so much, I'm asking you now to use me, and in which way you want to, and send me anywhere you wish and I will serve you with all my heart, my soul, my strength, and I will serve you with great passion all the days of my life. That was my first born-again prayer. You know what? That was a dangerous prayer. <laughs> I was so passionate, heartfelt with tears, etc. And the Lord heard and he answered. Long story short, he opens doors. I become a servant of Christ. I ended up in Saudi Arabia. The kingdom of Saudi Arabia, the seat of the Islamic religion, where the Muslim prophet Muhammad was born. they host Islam in the two holiest shrines in Mecca and in Medina. Arabia, like Pastor Gary said, they don't allow you to have a Bible. you are thrown to prison. We cannot meet in a place like this, one room with the opposite sex sitting next to each other. This is illegal in Arabia. You cannot pass out tracks downtown or talk to any Saudi about Christ. They will throw you to prison. That's how strict it was back when we were in Arabia. And so these scriptures really begin to mean more to me. And especially, you know, I thank God for John 3:16. How many of you remember John 3, 16? What about the verse? For God, let's do it together. For God so loved the world that he gave us his only begotten son, that whosoever would believe in him shall not perish, but what? Have everlasting life. Amen? Praise God. You know, I thank God for that word in the Bible. It's the heartbeat of Christ. He loves you and me. We didn't even know him. We didn't even love him. And his love was demonstrated by sending his own son. His son, Christ, was so obedient, he went. The father said, go, and he went on the greatest mission trip ever. He came to a place where no one liked him. The world hated Christ. That's why they crucified him. Who, was, who were those that really screamed, crucify him? It was not the market seller or vendor. It was not the economist or the banker or the teacher. It was the religious leaders. Religion was more important to people than God and a relationship with God. That is the problem the world has today. We are fortunate we are born again. We have access to the throne of God. There is an open heaven above you and me. And I can call on the name of Christ at any time. And he will hear and answer me. Glory to God, hallelujah. That was part of my, amen, thank you. That was part of my salvation. That's how much more to go in the salvation experience. You know what I'm talking about, hallelujah. I was so hungry and thirsty for the word. You know, when you get born again, you realize for the first time, I became hungry and thirsty for the word. This word was my manna every day. I read the Bible from Genesis to Revelation when it came to the gospel, I fell in love to, you know, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. I fell in love with the gospel of John. It was reading the gospel of John one, time, one night, and I was so focused on Christ. I said, Lord, prove yourself to me. Christ, if you are the same yesterday, today, and forever, prove yourself to me. While reading the gospel of John, there was a holy presence. And that presence touched my shoulder, and he spoke to me. And the Bible, the words came alive. Jump out of the page. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. John 2021. 20, that was my call to go. I am sending you. No less than the way the Father sent me, I am sending you. Jesus was sent to go and tell the world that there's a good news of salvation. To tell the world that he and the Father are one, that Jesus is the gospel. imagine me called to be like him to share the good news of salvation in christ and to top it all in philippians he said you know he calls us saints you know and then he calls us his partners we are partners with christ imagine when i got saved young people when i got saved Immediately that moment, I became a partner in the gospel of Christ. I did not put any investment, not even a single penny. But God placed everything in me through Christ. Right. The biggest investor is God. He invested his son to me and in me. And I'm just a partner. All right. Oh, that's why I'm like this. Passionate. Because I am his partner. Hey, partner. You're my partner. We are partners. Christine, you're my partner. Gary, you're my partner. You and I are partners. Oh, there's nothing more or less. We're all on equal footing with the cross of Christ. Salvation comes to whosoever. Hallelujah. Oh, I can just go in with that and forget the testimony. (laughs) Hallelujah. This word, prayers, the dangerous first-time prayer, sent me to Saudi Arabia. Wow, a land that's not flowing with milk and honey. A land under darkness oppression of Islam for 1,400 years plus. The people have been blinded and the blind leading the blind. Religion has been so strictly imposed. They're required to pray five times every day, facing the city of Mecca. Thank God, I don't have to face Jerusalem. I don't have to face the north or east. I just have to look up to heaven and open my heart. And there's an open heaven. <laughs> Hallelujah. There's an open heaven, anywhere you are, any time of the day or night. Hallelujah. But Arabia is a place of darkness, of oppression of strict religious rules and rituals five times a day. Once a year, 30 days a month during the month of Ramadan, they have to fast. It is in that month that the Saudis gain more weight because they turn their hours around only. They fast from sunrise to sunset, but they feed themselves like they feast on all kinds of food from sunset to sunrise. That's why... During the time of the year, the the grocery stores run empty with food supplies. They all fish and eat. And after the last day, you weigh weigh them, you see them, they really... (laughs) (sighs) (laughs) That's happening until now. It's not the way of God. Hallelujah. And so, life in Arabia was not easy. It was so much fun. Because to start a house church was not easy. The first meeting, there were only three of us. I was so disappointed. I'm like, Lord, you sent me here to start a congregation, and there's only three of us. And the Lord said, just continue. And so I opened the Bible, and you you know, the Lord is really good. I opened the Bible, and I look at the first, I did like this, and it came to Matthew 1820, and I have to preach on that. Where two or three come together in my name, I am there in the midst of them. (laughs) Church! So I said, wife, wifey, you and I and our brother, we're a church, let's start the church. And I led worship, I op- opened prayer, you know, I took the offering, gave into the offering as well. I gave the sermon, I gave the altar call, the brother came to accept the Lord, hallelujah. It was a small beginning in a short amount of time, it grew like leaps and bounds. By the time that uh, we were growing so fast, Arabia was getting more alarmed for the presence of secret house churches. They're getting alarmed not only because they found it a threat to their religion, but they found it, they found out that many of their people are now turning to Christ. And they came against us so strongly. It came to a point I became the number one most wanted person. What an honor. (laughs) It's not easy to be number one. I must have something that they want, or they want to discover. And that was the truth. They took me in. I was abducted. They destroyed my home. They confiscated my possessions. Amazing grace works. Hallelujah. Grace after grace works. It was all by the grace of God that looking back and how we all survived that horrible experience. In the church, we would have meetings. Our services would start you know, and we'll go on for like three, four, five, six hours, sometimes all the all the way to midnight. The Holy Spirit is not letting up and letting go. You know, the power of God just falls. The worship would go for three, four hours, five hours. My sermon with the shortest will be an hour and a half. And I would preach till six, six, six hours, three hours. And people are falling under the power of the presence of the mighty Holy Spirit. The sick are getting healed. People bring their sick. To church, some, early on, some brother said, "Pastor, Wally, my daughter and my wife are not feeling well, we're not going to come to church." It's a phone call. There were no cell phones. I told him, "Brother, this is the perfect time to bring them to church," and they came. And the testimony is: the moment they walk in, we were worshiping immediately, instantaneously. The wife and the daughter were healed. A man brought a blind man. The man's eyes was restored; his sight was restored. There were cripples that came they were made whole by the power of god we were just worshiping but we were worshiping jesus we were not caught up with the signs wonders and miracles because they are already in the bible so it's a natural effect after effect of a new birth experience we go out to the villages to the bedwins we have a brother who laid hands on the sick People were crying. The Arab women are noisy. when there's death. And all of a sudden the wailing started to come to turn out to be rejoicing. They were going. La, 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 because the dead man was raised back to life. <laughs> Glory to God. <laughs> We've been to many hospitals. We go lay hands on the sick. They rise up. They walk away. Glory to God. Hallelujah. So we see that Christ is the same yesterday. Today. And forever. And the church was growing lips and bounds. We had to move from one apartment to another. Eventually, I prayed for a big house. God bless us with a big mansion-like house. The the bedrooms are humongous. The living room is humongous. The family room is humongous. There was a sitting room for the women, humongous rooms. There was a sitting room for the men. So the villa, they call it villa, are like our mansions in America. Multiple large rooms. And that house was packed with seekers that wanted to know Christ. The first time we opened the house for service, we had to soundproof the house. Because it was in a very young Islamic neighborhood. And the owner, he only allowed us to use it because he came to school in America. And I asked him, when you were in America, were you allowed to pray five times every day in a mosque? He said, yeah. Nobody stopped me. Our mosques were open. Five, you know, every, every day. We went there five times every day to pray. Nobody stopped me. I'm like, well, you get what I'm saying now? I said, well, I'm, I want to lease your villa. He said, but that's a big house. Do you have a big family? I said, oh, you talk about family? I have a big family. <laughs> and then he said, okay, we, we agree on this, but you can going to turn into the church, right? Yep. I said, yeah. Well, I said, you know, I've never been to any church. I don't know how you guys do it, but will you please be careful not to awake the neighborhood, not to disturb the parking lot in the neighborhood. It's a new residential area. It's my brand new uh, villa, which I built for my house, uh, for my wife. But my wife doesn't want to live. She's used to living in the desert with the Bedouins. So we're going to move to a, a Bedouin tribal village. So that house is for rent. So we acquired it, and he said this, because we don't want to disturb the neighborhood. What I did was we commissioned the architects and engineers in the congregation, and we asked them to soundproof the entire house. Ha) <laughs> Like here, I walk in, I'm like, whoa, this reminds me of the Our House Church. We got a drum, we got a keyboard, we got microphones. It was full blast. When we praised God, everyone in the congregation would raise their hand, they would jump up and down, and then sometimes they would just bend on their knees and cry out. We had to fold the chairs to give more room for people coming in to worship God with us. Amen. That was a good problem. <laughs> Hallelujah. Well, in the process though, because... We were getting all kinds of people from different nations. Arabia, in Riyadh, the capital where we were, was host to one of the largest foreign guest workers you know, in the Arab world. And in our congregation, there were about 28 different uh, nationalities, but we were penetrated by many Arab countries, Arab from other countries, but there were spies that spied on me and on the congregation which led to me becoming the number one most wanted person in Saudi Arabia. Because they could not take me legally, because of our connections in our work, my wife working and me in the the armed forces of Arabia, we were working for the government. And they could not take me legally. And so what they did, they resorted to illegal action. I was abducted by Islamic fanatics. The night of my abduction, they destroyed my home, confiscated our possessions. My daughter was just over a year old, you know, and I, you know, it was difficult because the night they took me away, they, they, you know, they really just pushed my wife and my daughter aside. They fell on the staircase, and they picked me up and threw me, you know, into a prison. It was a three by four with nothing. They stripped me and they placed chains and shackles. I woke up to a nightmare. I thought that was only in the Bible. I'm like, yeah, I know there's persecution, but it's modern days. They should not treat me like this. But then it reminds me of the the Lord Christ when he said, you know, if the world hates you, keep in mind it hated me first. John 15, verse 18. If you belong to the world, it would love you as its own, as it is you do not belong to the world. But I have chosen you out of this world. That is why the world hates you. That is why they hate us that's why they're trying to silence us even now that's why they're trying to remove you know uh god in in the school the ten commandments and all of that they remove they remove prayer the world hates us because of christ if you are not in christ if there's the wrong you are christian they will they will love you as your own as their own but our god is a good god he's worth serving at any difficult circumstance, good or bad situation. Hallelujah. <laughs> Upon my abduction, the night of my abduction, I was in prayer with the elders. I was made aware that I will be taken anytime. And I asked God, the elders were crying, said Pastor, you can't be taken. We can't go on without a pastor. I told them, Pastors are dispensable. The Holy Spirit is present. <laughs> and then I said, Father. Father, I said, "What will I do? Should I escape or should I stay?" I heard the voice of the Lord and he said to me, "Stay. I want to show you a part of my glory, and then you will glorify me all the rest of your days in on this earth." Wow! It was like a Moses asking the Lord, "Show me yourself." And the Lord did do that to me. I'm I'm gonna mention that eventually. So I was, I was taken by the authorities. I was thrown to a three-by-four strip with chains and shackles in me. I was not fed for many days and nights. I became skeletal, weak, sickly, you know. And then they chose to torture me because I was not one of them. With chains and shackles, I was beat up by three jihad warriors in the torture chamber. Chains and shackles prevented me from covering up or protecting myself. They did it intentionally in case I would fight back. You know what I learned from that experience? The Word of God says we are led like sheep to be slaughtered. Christ never complained when he was crucified, he never defended himself. The Bible says he could have easily called his angels and toppled the Roman Empire. He did not. He did not come to have an empire. He already is the king of kings. He came to bring down the presence of God to people like you and me. He came to show the way to the Father, and he did it successfully. To the the eyes of the people in the day of his crucifixion, he was a failure. People thought that because Wali has been taken and beat up and tortured, people said, He failed in the ministry. But let me tell you this. God doesn't know how to fail. He's never failed. No failing record. And so in in those days when I was, especially the night when I was tortured for 210 minutes, God kept encouraging me. I would fall, I would collapse, I would pass out. They would awaken me, but they would slap me, they would kick me. You know, they beat up my face so badly, you will not recognize me. They flogged me in the palm of my hands. You could not tell if it were hands after flogging. They flogged me in my back. They flogged me in the soles of my feet. I could no longer stand up. I was so weak. They chose a time to beat me up and torture me when I had not food, no food, no water. I had no, no proper hygiene, sleepless they they kept me awake they won't let me sleep they chose a time when I was at my weakest it was then that I realized the apostle Paul and he said when God Jesus told him my grace is sufficient (laughs) and now the Lord showed me the sufficiency of his grace that is in Christ Christ is God's grace Hallelujah. If you have Christ, in Christ, you got it made. He's, in Christ, he's got you covered. In Christ, you can do all things. In Christ, you, no, no weapon form against you shall prosper. In Christ, you can ask anything, and he will do it in Christ. The torturers thought I was losing the battle. Mm-mm. We are winning the war. Hallelujah one time they pointed a gun to my brain and I was shaking, I was terribly a mess and I'm in pain, I could hardly stand up, they pointed a gun they said, you renounce Christ or you're dead the next second he began to pull the trigger he could not continue to press it, he, he was shaking he would not pull it the other told give me the gun he could not do it I told them, go ahead make my day The power of God can stop even the strongest finger of a terrorist from firing a gun. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory, glory, hallelujah. Hallelujah. You know, a man could easily be tempted to fight back or say bad words to those who beat him up. But the Lord kept me quiet and silent like a lamb in the slaughterhouse. And while he did that, the Lord kept encouraging me. He reminded me of Galatians 3.22, where Scripture declares that the whole world is a prisoner of sin. I was not the prisoner. They were the prisoners of sin. I was not the victim. They were the victims. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That's why we need to share the gospel. It is this gospel that set me free from religion. It's this gospel that cleansed me from all my sin and all unrighteousness. It is the gospel. It is Christ Jesus, the gospel Himself, that made these good things in my life. Hallelujah. He made them, He brought them to my life. After my tortures. <coughs> Excuse me when I cough. It's because of a double pneumonia surgery. I had two lung surgeries. And the scar tissue caused me to cough. But I'm not sick. <laughs> My Jesus is a healer. Hallelujah. And so when I cough, excuse me, let it fly. <laughs> like I do, you know. I'm, not, I'm coughing. I'm a pastor. I cannot preach. I'm coughing. No. No cough will stop me. No COVID can stop me. No surgery can stop me. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. I have loved you with an everlasting love. Oh, these are the words I keep hearing from the Lord while I was being tortured. God is good all the time. Hallelujah. After the tortures, they brought me back to my cell and they thought I was going to be dead the next day. They told the guard... This man is so, look at him, he's beat up. He won't make it to the next morning. By the time they let me go, it was past midnight. And I'm led back to the cell. And when, I was, when they threw me back in the cell, because of my weakness and pain, I fell to my knees like this. And when I fell to my knees, I lifted my eyes towards heaven with chains and shackles. And I smiled at the Lord and said, Thank you, Lord, for the honor and the privilege to suffer for my Savior, Jesus Christ, who died for me. And then God gave me songs of worship. I began to worship God and sing and sing to him and just love Christ for, the, for everything he's done for me in my life. I worship him and love him because of his grace and his goodness and his kindness. You know, that song, you know, uh, I, I speak the name of Jesus over me. You know, you love Christ and not only the name will come over you, but the presence of God Christ will come upon you and his blood will cover and protect you. The Holy Spirit will revive you. He will give you such energy. You are able to worship him even on your sick bed, even on your prison cell, even with chains and shackles. All these are nothing compared to loving and honoring God in my life. Hallelujah to the glory of God. Sometimes there are days I miss prison because there's so much disturbance. In the world, between my relationship, between me and God, I need to focus. That's why when I was a prisoner, every day I would break bread, celebrate communion. I had no elements. But the salvation was as important. The memory was more important, the memory. Because in the communion table, Jesus said, Remember me. Remember me. Until the time I come again. So the remembrance of Christ is important when you are being indoctrinated, being tortured, being stripped of everything in your life, you're isolated, you're not by yourself, in prison, no no visitors, nothing, nobody cares, and you're all by yourself. It's when we need to remind ourselves that there's a Jesus who still loves me. Sometimes by force of circumstance, family and friends cannot see us. Like in my case, my wife and my daughter could not come to see me, but my God was there with me all the time. It was like a fiery furnace experience of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He had they had the four men. I did not have I, I did not have the four men. I was the fourth man. I, had the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and I was the fourth man. What an humble, humbling privilege to know my God in a manner, in a way that He became so intimate to me. And it drew me so close to his heart. It was all through his suffering and his pain. Eventually, I was taken to the courts. It was in the courts where in the final appearance in the Supreme Court, I was declared guilty and sentenced to death by execution. Guilty of blasphemy. Guilty of high treason. I remember Paul writing to Timothy. This became alive to me. 2 Timothy 4, 16 and 17. At my first defense, no one came to my support, but everyone deserted me. May it not be held against them. But the Lord stood at my side, and he gave me strength. He encouraged me enough. So that through me the message, the gospel, the good news in the midst of my suffering and pain might still be fully proclaimed and declared to my torturers, to the high court officials and to the, the Gentiles, the Muslims who packed the Supreme Court on the day of my Of my appearance and the reading of the death sentence, there was such an uproar Allahu Akbar in the High Court of Arabia, but in the silence of my grieving heart, I was praying, and I was, I said Jesus, help me, help me and the moment I said help me it was only a very short prayer He responded with an immediate response. And I felt a lightning hit me right here. When it did, I felt like a burst, a bursting river, Mississippi River coming out, coming out so forcefully. It came up to my neck. To my mouth, it opened my mouth, it triggered my tongue, and I declared, I shall not die but live and declare the works of my God. For no weapon formed against me shall prosper, because greater is he who is in me than he that is in the world. Rejoice, church. We have a king who cares. We have a Lord who loves. We have a word of God that is faithful to us. It's by The Bible is full of his great and precious premises. We have it done, church. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. How can you not be passionate for a Christ who is passionate enough to go on the cross for you and for me? He didn't go to the cross because you and I were good. He went to the cross because you and I were sinners. Yes. Yes. And we think, I can be good if I go to church. I can be good if I come to the, go to this religion. No. Jesus said, no one is good but my father. Right. My father and I are one. Yeah. It was the worst part most passionate person, hanging on the cross. He said, forgive them. Forgive them. On the cross, he felt forsaken for the first time. Why have you forsaken me? It was not because of him, because of the sin, your sin and mine. And God would not allow that to take place for a long time in three days he would raise back Christ to prove that he's the resurrection the firstborn from the dead and you and I are a type of a firstborn hallelujah so the high court appearance was good because our God is a good God As a prisoner, I miss my wife and my child. The many long nights, or lonely nights, I would be crying and sobbing like a baby. Lord, I want my wife. I want my child. <laughs> Occasionally, the Lord would send me dreams. And those dreams really snap out. And I'm realizing dream is not really good because it stops the experience. But then one morning, I heard a voice of my daughter calling out, Daddy, Daddy. It was faint. It was from a distance. I closed my eyes. I'm like, Lord, am I dreaming? If this, is, this is a dream. Would you please not wake me up? And then the, the doors got, were open. I heard the keys. And the guard yelled my number. He said, step out, prisoner. And I realized it was not a dream. It was reality. So he takes me out of my cell. And he leads me with chains and shackles. He leads me to a visitation area like a cage for an animal. I walk into that humongous cage. There was no one there but me. And then he shuts the door behind me. From a distance, I could hear, Daddy, Daddy. That voice led me to where she was standing. I could not see them because we were separated about two feet from each other. On their side and my side are prison bars and mesh wires. You could hardly see the person on the other side. But the voice, I recognized my daughter. I recognized the figure of my wife. And I asked my wife, why would you come to see me at such a time as this? And she responded, your, your daughter's birthday. She asked me to see you on her birthday. I forgot it was her birthday, second birthday. And then my my wife said, keep calling her name. I'm praying she will recognize your voice. And she did. The moment Princess recognized my voice, she pinned her eyes on those tiny openings. She saw me with tears. She saw my skeletal appearance, my dirty clothes. And she said, Daddy, don't cry. Jesus loves you. Jesus loves you. Glory glory. Those were words that pick up my spirit in my difficult situation. That's why it's good to remember Christ. Even a baby would remind me of that. Within about a week later, they come to see me on a special visit. That morning, the Holy Spirit woke me so early, around five in the morning, and I said, I want you to tell your wife about your death sentence. I have kept it to myself, there was no one that knew it except the Muslims and the high court and the guards, but there was no Christian, not my family. I was the only one, so I kept it to myself. I was hoping it would come to pass soon, so I'll be in heaven, you know? But you know what? When there are people praying for you and they still want you, you can't beat that. And they kept praying and praying and praying. So that day they came to see me. I didn't know until I find out later they were ushered into the courtyard and precious saw daddy and she ran so quickly to my arms she jumped and I held her between my shackles, my chains she began to kiss me my wife stood on this side and she put her arms around my waist she could not speak, I could not speak we were just emotionally drained and just worn out and everything going on and, and in our silence five minutes was over because the guard said you have five minutes they pulled my wife, my daughter away from me when they were halfway about 10, 15 feet away from me in the courtyard, my wife did something strange. She grabbed the hand of the Muslim prison guard and threw it in the air. That guard almost fell to the ground and he was huge. My wife is petite. The moment she did that with the force, she turned around and faced me. And facing me, she lifted her finger She points at my face. Preacher, I want you to know that every day and every night, your daughter and I are on our our knees, on our face before God. We're praying for your salvation, for your rescue, that you will be set free, that God will rescue you from the death sentence. And we are joined by many brothers and sisters in the body of Christ. The moment she said that, she went on and called me preacher the second time. Preacher, listen closely. She raised her voice. As she pointed at my face, tomorrow, December 23, before 12 midnight, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, I declare you will be set free in the name of Jesus. Bye-bye. She turns around and does a moonwalk away from me, you know. (laughs) Hallelujah. Glory, glory to God. Glory to God. Hallelujah. I did not buy it. I was so devastated hearing her say that to me. I'm like, now you're saying that? Now that I'm in chains and shackles with the death sentence hanging over me, I just told you that. Now you say I'll be set free. <laughs> I was back in prison that day. I could not sleep the entire night. The next morning that word kept bugging my ears. It was like an unbroken recording. Before twelve midnight, bye bye. I am like it's driving me nuts. <laughs> it interrupted my prayers. I'm praying, you know, before 12, midnight, bye-bye. <laughs> and I noticed it was getting late in the afternoon already, and then it was evening, and then it was night. It was close to midnight, and I could hear, before 12, midnight, bye-bye. <laughs> and I'm like, Lord, were you awake when my wife said that to me yesterday? <laughs> were you even able to hear There are so many people praying to you. I wonder if you heard that prayer, that declaration of my wife. Heaven is silent. I'm like, oops, he did not. (laughs) The moment, within moments, there were guards and officers that came to my prison. And they opened the door and they called out my number. Before I could step out, I was met by a general who bent over low to get into my cell. It's it's a no-no for any Saudi Arabian to enter, especially an officer, to enter a death row prison cell. But the general entered, beat his chest, and then he pointed his huge finger at at my heart. He asked me a few questions. Are you the pastor known who leads a large congregation in Riyadh? I said, yes, sir. Is your name Wally McDangle? I said, yes, sir. Are you the one known as Pastor Wally? I'm like, yes, sir. And then he said, tell me, Wally, what in the world is going on? I felt like grabbing his collar and saying, you tell me. (laughs) You have separated me from the world. Nothing, no communication. You tell me what in the world is going on. Well, with a smile, he kind of like adjusted his bearing. He looked at me and he said, half an hour ago, His Majesty the King woke me up from my sleep. He called my phone, and he said, I want you to wake up, get on your official uniform, your official nameplate, your official name tag, and your stars, your, your rank. I want you to go out and look for a man on death row known as Pastor Wally. And I'm giving you these orders, he said, I want you to release that man, process his freedom within, before 12 midnight, today December 23 that's when it made sense it was like I saw the face of my wife on the screen like this is going before 12 midnight (laughs) bye-bye hey you and I have midnight hours in life I've had a few midnight hours in the ICU of Mercy San Juan where I was pronounced gonna be I'm gonna die because of the operation and the failure of everything and infections And I felt like I was really going to die. I came close to death twice in the hospital. But there was a woman praying and a daughter praying. I have had several midnight hours in life. And I'm sure you had. But thank God, if there are people praying for you, that midnight hour will come to pass. Morning will come. They are new every morning. Great is the faithfulness of God. And you know... It's true after the general left the order was given and the major in charge on duty that night yelled he said wally we have 15 minutes before midnight we got to get you out of your this facility and process your freedom before 12 midnight they did by 12 midnight i was in a squad car in the same courtyard they pulled in a squad car Park it right where my wife stood the day before. Park it right there. And they opened the door. And they had to pick me up literally because I was walking so slowly. And they showed me to the car. They yelled at the lieutenant behind the wheels. Take off. It's almost 12 midnight. In In the midnight hour of your life, let me tell you, God can command even the enemy to take care of you. To set you free. He is in charge. No matter what's going on. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Ah, if the world hates you, keep in mind it hated me first. We should not allow any, any, any amount of hatred to stop us from reaching the lost. In the Great Commission, Jesus said, go and make disciples. The only word I understand in that verse is the word go. And that's what I do. That's what I've done. And I'll keep doing I'll keep going. Even when I cough, I won't quit preaching. That was a momentary, you know, commercial commercial break. <laughs> but it won't stop me. It should not stop you. No circumstance should not stop you and me. We are carriers of the cross and of the gospel message. We're the temple of the Holy Spirit. I'm a partner of Christ, and you are my partners too. We are partners together in Christ. I'll call you my partner brother. My partner sister. We are partners. I want to close. I want to land the plane right now. Let's approach that, the landing. Hallelujah. The Bible says Jesus gave himself for our sins. Galatians 1 verse 4. To rescue us from the present evil age. Aren't we in that age now? But there's a rescue. Jesus said, I'm here to rescue you from the present evil age. According to the will of God. The will of God. His will is that no one should perish, but that all will come to repentance. There's a rescue. Many preachers are talking about the last days. Today they said you look around and all the indicators of the end of time is all around us. Just read the letter of Paul to Timothy in the last days. It describes the last days and we are being described. (laughs) Good news. If indeed we are in the last days and everything is happening, there's only one thing that needs to take place, the rapture. Am I ready? Are you ready? Lord, come now, Lord, even now. But if you're not ready, I want to give you an opportunity today. When my wife said, and the general said, You are set free, it took 24 hours to process my release papers and my passport. By the time they did, on Christmas Eve, they took me to the airport and placed me on a plane that flew from Riyadh, Saudi Arabia, to Manila, my original homeland. The plane lands in Manila. On december 25 11 30 in the morning by 12 o'clock noon i was outside the terminal building and was met by my mother and my brother and my sister and together we hugged each other and my mom said this to me when your wife told me that you've been sentenced to die on and i learned that it's going to be december 25. she said i prayed to the father to god lord If you will give me a birthday present, I want my birthday to be my own son, Wally. I want him alive, not dead, not in a casket. I want him in my arms without those chains and shackles. I want him in the Philippines, not in Arabia. I want him right here. She said those words to me as we were hugging for the first time within minutes of my arrival in Manila, in the parking lot. We hugged and we cried together. And I smiled at my mom, I said, thanks for your prayers. Thanks for the prayers of my family, my wife, my daughter, and everyone else. Thank you for Jesus, who's the reason for all of this. And then I said, Mom, Merry Christmas. It was December 25. And I kissed her and I said, happy birthday. It's also her birthday. <laughs> Some would say, oh, that's a special situation because of Pastor Walt, no. Our God loves you and me equally. And if you're here today, you're not sure you're safe. Or maybe your heart is now really kind of like calling you home. You feel like you've not been home. You know, the prodigal son came home and the father was waiting. Today is your day. The father is waiting for you to come home. We're going to do an altar call. And if you are here, you're not sure you're safe. The rapture may happen anytime. Come home to the Father. We're gonna ask you to come in front to join, to join us. We're doing an altar call for salvation. You heard me talk about the church in Arabia, where we have visited even villages and homes. We're laying hands on the sick; they're recovering. God, Jesus is the healer. He still heals. I've been to so many places in the USA and laid hands on people; they're getting they they're getting healed. If you are here today, you have any sickness, illness, of whatever that's hindering you physically, and you're very troubled and concerned, I want you to come to the front. We will pray for your healing. I love to pray for the healing of people, and I love to lead people to Christ as well. And you know what? I have a third bonus offer. If you feel like, I want to be passionate like Pastor Gary, Pastor Wally, and Pastor John, how does that happen? Maybe you need to be touched by the Holy Spirit. The baptism of the Holy Spirit is open and available to all. You know, when I got baptized in the Holy Spirit, they could not stop me. Nobody can stop me. Don't be stopped by anything. If you need that baptism, this is your opportunity. We can do all three today because our God is a mighty God. We are not that many. He fed 4,000. He can do it today. Pastor John, would you please join me here? Hallelujah. Amen. Everyone, let's
0: just stand before the Lord together. This is a holy moment that God is doing right now. And there's three different altar calls. One of them by which Pastor Wally said, if you don't Know Jesus, or maybe you have prayed that prayer before at some time, but you've since then walked away from the faith, I want to invite you to come and to join us up here. I'm going to do three separate altar calls, so if you need Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, if you want to accept Jesus, if you want to make sure and, and ensure that you're going to heaven when you die someday, you want to pray that prayer, you want to ask Jesus to come into your life, I want to invite you to come up and to join us right up here in the front here. Altar workers, we have some altar workers that are designated as altar workers, please come and to assist in, these, in the altar call. If you need Jesus Christ, you want to accept Jesus as your Lord and your Savior, let come right over here. Thank you. We've got some altar workers that are going to come now. Please join me right here. The next two altar calls I'm going to save for just a moment. Pastor Wally, can you pray the sinner's prayer with, with those that are wanting to accept Jesus Christ? So come on over. Come on over here. We're going to line you up right up here in the front. If you need to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, come up here. They're coming over here as well, coming from over here. Amen. Amen. Look at what God is doing, everyone. Amen. Amen. Amen.
1: Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Some new partnerships are coming. We have new partners. Hallelujah. Would you pray this prayer? If you came to accept Christ, trust Him as your Savior and Lord. Would you follow me in this prayer? It is your prayer, not mine. You just follow it. Amen. Let's pray. Dear Lord Jesus.
0: Dear Lord Jesus.
1: I am here today.
0: I am here today.
1: I've heard about you.
0: I've heard about
1: you. But now I want to know you more.
0: But now I want to know you I more. I want
1: to get so intimate with you. I want to get so intimate with you. That I want to accept you now, my now. As my savior and my lord. As my savior and my lord. Jesus, you know I'm a sinner. Jesus, you know I'm a sinner. But I want to confess all my sins. But I want to confess all my sins. And I ask that you would forgive me. And I ask that you would forgive me. I heard that your blood washes me clean. I heard that your blood washes me. May your blood wash me clean right now. Wash me clean right now. And make me a new person. And make me a new person. As I open my heart and my life to you, I open my heart and my life and to with you. And in my mouth, as I confess you as my, my Savior Lord and Lord, I confess you as my Savior my Lord. I ask you, Lord God, to send me the Holy Spirit. I ask you, Lord God, to send me the Holy Spirit to live in me, within me and dwell in me. And to dwell in me. Give me a desire and hunger for your word. desire and a hunger for. And a desire to it. obey you and a desire to obey every day of my life life. i want to honor you now i want to honor you by giving all the praise and glory give you all the praise and the glory for giving me this new birth birth. in jesus name in jesus name amen amen Amen. god God bless you
0: amen amen so here's what just took place for all those that prayed that prayer the bible says that there's a, a book in heaven it's called the lamb's book of life and as soon as you prayed that prayer God wrote your name into that Lamb's book of life so that it would never be blotted out and forever your your salvation is secure in him. And the Bible also goes on to say, and all of heaven rejoices in prayer, even over just one person that prays that prayer. So Harvest Church, let's rejoice over those that gave their lives to Jesus Christ. Amen. Here are the other two altar calls that I want to do as well. If you if you need prayer for healing, you need prayer for God to do something in your life, um, I want you to know that there's an anointing that is here that God can heal and change the physical things that are happening, happening in your body. If that's you, I want to invite you to come forward. I'm going to ask you to stay from on this side of the auditorium to your right side, so on this side. And then on this side over here, if you were touched by... Pastor Wally's story and you feel like, man, I I feel like I'm called to missions. I feel like I'm called, like God's asking me to do something with this. I I, I want you to know God didn't just bring Pastor Wally here just so we can just hear a great story, but so that we could be motivated to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. And if you're here and you're saying, Pastor Gary, I feel like, man, God, God's doing something in my heart. I, I want Pastor Wally to pray for me, to give me clarity and direction I want to know, like I feel something. Am I called to missions? Am I called to doing something? If that's you, I want to also invite you to come join me on this side of the church, and we want to pray for you as well. And let's just see what God will do in our midst. Amen. Listen, I want you to know God is real. God's able to touch physically. God's able to touch us so that we can go. If it's resources you need to, so you can go, well, God's able to give you resources. And so right now, God, I pray that you would begin to move, that you would begin to send the answer. God, that you would begin to, to touch people's physical bodies and their lives. That, Lord, when we speak things into existence with our mouths, that physically things would begin to change because we're partnering with what you've already spoken in your word. God, there are people that feel a calling to the mission field. God, I pray that you would seal the thing that you've already placed into their heart. God, you've given a heart for people. God, you're going to make a way where there seems to be no way. So altar workers begin to pray now. We're going to come down and start praying for each of them as well.
1: god as your people have come taking that step of faith i ask that you see and you look at each one's heart there is a heart right now that's desperately crying out to you lord use me lord send me i want you god to empower me and enable me with your spirit somebody here right now is praying that i want to serve you lord i don't know how but i'm willing i'm open i'm available Do it, Lord, lead me and guide me. I want to I want to serve you. I want you to use me mightily. Send me, Lord. Send me, Lord. Some of you may the Lord may be speaking about giving something to the work of God. And feel free to obey the Lord. Hallelujah. I want to pray for the sick, for those that have a lingering illness. You know, the Lord God is our healer. The Bible says he's the great physician. And he's Jesus said, you can ask anything of the Father, and then will give it to you in my name, he said. And we all believe in the name of Christ. We believe in the Jesus of the Bible. And so today I pray, Lord, for each one of these that came, O oh God, for your healing. There's a healing needed, O oh God. Sickness, illness, and disease, you are now commanded to go and take off. That's right. To break away and leave That's right. That's right. in the great and mighty name of Jesus. That's right. I command you to set God's people free yes.
0: Yes. in Jesus mighty name. Yes.
1: yes. And now, Lord, I pray for your touch, the healing power of your touch. Yes. Let that oil, that anointing flow, Lord, beginning with these people on this in front of us, Lord, that you would touch that person. Go ahead and touch that part of your body that needs to be healed. Go ahead and touch it, because our God is a God who loves to touch us. Yes. Amen. He touched me. After the yes. tortures He touched me when I was lonely in prison yes. And the same Christ will touch you this morning yes. Put your hand in that yes. part of your body yes. And let the Lord touch you yeah. In Amen. Jesus name I pray God pray. That your Holy Spirit will right him. now, even now Place your healing touch Upon these, your servants, your people who are, who are in need of healing I pray you will now command your miracle Speak your miracle upon them and release your miracle in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Receive your wholeness. Receive your healing. You are healed. You are set free. You are delivered in the mighty name of Christ, in the mighty name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Give the Lord glory. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Would you, say this, would you say this prayer? Lord Jesus, Lord Jesus, thank you that you are here. Your presence is more than enough. And your presence brings your power. Today, I trust you. I believe you have touched my life. I will never be the same again. Thank you for healing me. Thank you for your delivering power. And thank you for your holy presence. Turn my life around and use me now for your glory alone. In Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you.
0: Amen. 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 If you received the word of the Lord this morning, would you just let Pastor Wally know how much you appreciate him and the ministry and the testimony? Now give the Lord the greatest clap offering this morning because he's worthy of it. He's worthy of it. Feel free to continue to pray up here. I just want to pray a prayer of blessing over you. And I want you to know that we don't have to go to a far-off country in order to share the gospel. God's placed something inside every single one of us. God's been good to every single one of us. And because of that, we ought to be able to tell everybody about Jesus. Don't be embarrassed. Don't be bashful. Take courage, for the Lord is with you. God, I pray for every single person here. God, as we go and as maybe we're going to lunch or doing different things, God, I pray that we would share the gospel with people that we would come in contact with. I pray that every single one of us would share Jesus with at least one person today. God, show us someone that we could share the gospel with. All, what we're going to do is share. Bringing them to Christ is your thing, Lord. You're the one that will move upon them to accept you. So, Lord, we're going to share today. We're not going to uh, be bashful about it or embarrassed about it, but we're going to take our rightful place as heirs of the throne. God, we are yours, and God, we are your people. Would you be with every single person here today as we exit from your sanctuary? May we never exit from your presence. Go with us in the mighty name of Jesus. And everybody said aloud, "Amen." amen. Amen. We love you so much. Thank you for being here this morning, wonderful church. Share Jesus with somebody today. God bless you. We love you.